and welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, everybody. My name is Julia Krasnow. I am the program manager at E4All Rhode Island, and I use she, her pronouns. Hi, everyone. My name is Laura Guillen. I am the executive director at E4All Rhode Island, and my pronouns are also she, her. Thank you both for joining me. A little bit later in the show, we will talk about E4All for Rhode Island specifically, which is a local nonprofit focused on helping small business owners get their ideas off the ground or keep their idea going successfully. But before we get into that, let's start off as we always do with what have you been reading? Okay, so my reading list, this is Julia, is uh, a little eclectic, I suppose. But I think in the last like year, one of my favorite books that I read was called The Invention of Nature. Um, And the subheading is Alexander von Humboldt's New World. And it is a nonfiction book. So I, I actually really like reading nonfiction, not all the time, but I like reading things about like nature and evolution and space and things like that. It just kind of helps remind me to put everything into perspective and that things were happening before we were here. They'll continue to happen after we were here. Um, but this particular book focuses on this gentleman named Alexander von Humboldt. He uh, preceded Darwin, but they did cross paths. So he, he was a scientist um and crossed paths when he was an older man with uh, Darwin when he was a younger man. Um, But it follows him through his life, um, his travels. And he was basically the first, um, we'll we'll say the first like European, white European scientist in sort of the Enlightenment era who um, put together all the ideas about nature as like an ecosystem that where one thing affects the other. Um, so he certainly didn't come up with every single part of that. And certainly the he learned a lot from the native populations in Latin America that he visited that informed his work. But in the Enlightenment era, he's kind of the one who helped us conceptualize like what nature is and how it works and how everything affects each other. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that book. I recommend it to a lot of my friends who are have similar interests. Um, so that's one. Um, on a completely different spectrum, I also recently read the entire series of Earthsea. Um, it's like a, a it's like a, a young adult fantasy series. Um, as a child of the Harry Potter era, I was kind of looking for something that would help me like escape everyday life. So on the opposite spectrum of, you know, reading nonfiction and placing myself in history. Sometimes I like to completely step outside of it. Um, so it's, it's not like Harry Potter, like it's its own world called Earthsea, but it's similar in that we're following like this, this one person's journey throughout a series. And um, it gets like very, very kind of activist feminist um, as the series goes on because the writer was writing over the course of several decades. So those are kind of two things that I recently read. I if, if I mean, if someone's looking to pick up something right now, I might say <laughs> the the invention of nature more so than Earthsea. You, you kind of have to want to read a young adult novel um, <laughs> to enjoy that. 
and want to start a series and get invested in exactly, a series, exactly. which yeah. takes a very particular headspace, I feel like. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. For me, it's just different. I think that the last book that I read, um, which is actually a great summer read, if, if, if you're looking for something to read, um, especially in the Northeast, it's called The Summer Getaway. And it is by Susan Mallory. And it's just a perfect escape for any reader that wants to just like get away. And it is about a woman that takes a vacation of a lifetime. And it's heartwarming um, because it really threats. She's the threat that holds like her family together. Um, So it's really great to see how she decides to sort of like put herself first, um, you know, in that particular time of her life. And I have to say that you don't have to be a single mom to actually sort of like relate. Um, But it's really one of the great things about Susan Mallory, in my perspective, is um, really how intricate uh, and her characters are and just that we can find things that anyone can apply for uh you know in into their own perspective and they can relate to that so if you're looking for something to read in the next few months uh i think that this is great you know just get a book go to the beach um or to the pool and just like you know enjoy a little escape yeah susan mallory is definitely one of those authors who i've noticed her publishing is kind of like one to two summer books a year Mm -hmm. and then one to two Christmas books a year. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing of like, yeah, in one half of the year, we've got the summery books. (laughs) And then in the other half of the year, we've got the Christmas books. And then yeah, your whole year covered. I I guess it's like these books, (laughs) they actually, I think that she actually launches them like in spring. So it's just like, perfect, right. So you get the book comes out and then, you know, you get critics to obviously read it and whatnot, give you a little bit of a feedback. And then here we go. Boom, it's summer. And I think that for um, folks like us that live in the Northeast, uh, it's, it's something that we obviously look so much forward to that summer season. And, you know, I like, when I read uh, or whatever I watch or whatever I do, I like to read lighthearted things, um, you know, more of a romantic comedy type of feel, um, something that it's, um, you know, that will really take my mind off of all of the other things that I do for a living, right? That that can be very stressful. So it's, uh, I, I like her as a, as a um, author a lot, just because of that, kind of like what she encompasses. So it seems like you both, to a certain extent, enjoy escapism. You just have different outlets in which you, yeah, like seek that escape, find that escapism. I don't. That may be a through line for people who work at nonprofits. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know that since I started working in nonprofits, that's something that I like noticed more and more about the books I was choosing. Yeah. You know, I've always been that way. Um, when I was a young girl, I used to love um, to read B.C. Andrews. And it's like, you know, it's just Flowers in the Attic is one of my favorite books, right? And and although it's a little bit more complex, obviously, than this particular uh, summer getaway, it was something about that, that it was, you know, really just take your mind off of everything. And I'm just the type of person, um, the same way that I love to binge watch shows, that if I read a book like even when I first time that I read Flowers in the Attic I was obsessed so I had to buy all of the books and read them all like I would I would do nothing other than just read them it would take me one two days and I would need another but I just had to like learn everything from it um so I like that you know 
Although Susan Mallory's books are not necessarily um, consequential, right? For uh, the stories to not necessarily continue or morph one into another. I like that they have that atmosphere, as you mentioned, that it's kind of like, you know, you have your year set up with a lighthearted reading uh, that, you know, can satisfy you. Well, I think you mentioning about binge watching takes us right into our next topic. So, Laura, have you been, what have you been binge watching lately, if anything? Oh, my God. Listen, an hour <laughs> is not enough for me to tell you all the shows that I binge <laughs> All right. What is, the, what is the one that you're, like, really enjoying right now? You can't stop well, thinking about it. Listen, Sue, there's two that I literally just finished um, watching and I sort of like purposely wait until they're done because I actually enjoy binge watching. Um, so one of that was Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, I love it. I think that it's funny. I like what she stands for. Um, you know, that representation of really um, trying to really be known as the woman that you are and, and what women are actually capable of, right? Especially in that era where women were really, you know, considered more of, you know, you take care of your family and, you know, and you kind of like may work at a retail store, right? And not necessarily have a job that at that point in time was considered um, obviously to be male dominated. And I love the way that she was able to break through through all those things. Um, I think that one of the things that that show probably taught me is perseverance, right? If you believe in yourself and you know that you are actually good at something, um, you're there's going to be a million obstacles, probably a million and one, but perseverance um, and dedication will always get you to that end goal. And on the complete opposite spectrum, <laughs> the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, I love, I'm just finished watching the show, Succession. Uh, there's something about dramas that I enjoy as well. Um, and anything that has to do with power and, um, again, just that resilience of wanting to be the best um, in, in what people do for it, right? Um, I'm, I'm all about it. So, um, yeah, those are the two shows that I've uh, definitely been binge watching. I was literally telling Julia earlier today, I don't watch a lot of TV, uh, but on Sundays, it's usually my day to like, I love just spending the entire day watching a show and it's the binge watching, right? I don't get to do it every Sunday either. Um, but when I do, that's definitely what I enjoy doing. I cannot wait to hear what you guys would recommend since I literally just watched my two shows. <laughs> so Julia, what about you? What have you been watching? I feel like I'm personally in a little bit of a TV slump just because I'm not like loving a lot of the newer stuff. So my answer to like what have I been watching is like I'm watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Like I'm just I watching. <laughs> I didn't get into it back in the day. I think that that style of show I we were getting pretty sick of at that point. Like I had watched America's Next Top Model and stuff like that. So at the time I wasn't interested, but now I'm like loving it. I really enjoy RuPaul's Drag Race. But um, I feel like I spend a lot more of my time either watching movies or on YouTube. So like a couple of the YouTube channels that I watch pretty consistently, which will probably make sense based on my book recommendations. Um, I love Tasting History with Max Miller. So he um, does like a deep dive into like the time period and all of the 
stuff that goes into a recipe that he has found from history. And so he'll be making things from like ancient Roman times or um, he did a whole series on what they ate on the Titanic. And he, he does like really, really awesome background research uh, with sources and all that kind of stuff. So I find that really interesting. Um, and I watch a lot of movies. So I, I didn't grow up watching a lot of the 80s canon movies. Um, they just weren't things that my parents put on. And most of that stuff I was afraid of anyway. <laughs> All the puppets and stuff like that. So um, <laughs> like I, I would have been terrified of Labyrinth as a kid. But now it's like one of my favorite movies. So like we've been, we went on a Patrick Swayze kick. We went on an Arnold Schwarzenegger kick. I finally saw Terminator for the first time. Wow. All of like the eighties horror movies. So we could spend 45 minutes on that, but I will say, you know, I am not, I, I grew up as a, I would watch Disney princesses, like that kind of girl. Um, I loved watching Terminator and Terminator too. <laughs> I I just I again I could talk about it for a while but I can't believe that you have never watched it's such a I know I, I had oh. never seen Terminator I had never seen Alien or Aliens the okay. thing um gosh I, I can't remember all of them but like I've been kind of going through the whole canon um and I'm really appreciating it it's an education <laughs> I have a similar thing, not that I've never seen the movies at all, but I have a very long list of movies that I've never seen all of. I've talked about this on the show before, so long-time listeners might remember me saying this, but um, my family used to watch a lot of movies on cable, and my stepdad hates commercials, so when the movie would go to a commercial break, he'd change the channel and go to something else. And then might not circle back to the channel that that movie was on for another 20, 30 minutes. So I I jokingly say, I think I've seen enough pieces of enough Rocky movies to make one full Rocky movie, but I have not seen all of them. Yeah, I've only seen small parts of the Terminator movies. I've seen the same part of The Godfather like three or four times, but no other part. Oh I mean, if, if, even if they did come on, like, I was legitimately afraid of everything when I was oh. younger. Well, not afraid of everything. That makes it sound worse than it is. <laughs> I was like, my, my biggest fear as a child was the Oompa Loompas. Like, I was just afraid of... That's fair. Like, things otherworldly that I didn't understand. <laughs> so I something. mean, that movie, is, <laughs> Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I feel like specifically has a very, like like dark undertone yeah despite being a kid's movie like that girl blows up like where you think like blows up after Mm -hmm. to a blueberry and it's like first time you watch that you maybe she's gonna explode you don't know you don't know what's (laughs) gonna happen um so yeah that movie definitely is unsettling and i definitely am with you there's one other thing that I'm with you that everyone else is like, oh, it's such a sweet, cute movie. And as a kid, I thought was terrifying, which is E.T. I mm-hmm. find I him so... Okay, thank I feel validated. 100%. The <laughs> voice, <laughs> the, the like vocal fry voice, I get a chill up my spine oh my when God. I hear it. It's freaked me out. Yeah. And he was a particularly, I think he was a particularly unsettling puppet. He had the neck that went super high. He had like a weird long fingers with the glowy finger. I, yeah, I found it very unsettling. And so I definitely get 
with things that everyone's like, oh, it's cute, it's fun, it's for kids. And and just being like, as a child, just being like, absolutely not. Absolutely Why not. did you think that I would enjoy this? No. Oh, my God. You know, he <laughs> I think he... I made it through the whole movie. It was just afterwards. <laughs> I, like, had a bad dream about him, and then I was like, I can't. Oh, and you know, E.T. has these eyes that are like just so warming. I mean, that's why, I mean, that's, like that's why, now. that's why Attached the kids. Attached to a head that's like. Yes, but that's why the kids like felt so comfortable with him. It was like, oh, it's so sad. <laughs> I like that. I like them now. <laughs> I don't know if I could bring myself to watch it again. I've got to face your fear, Taylor. To face your fear. I know. I've gotten better. Where if I if I see like a photo of him, I don't instantly freak out. But the voice, I feel like, would still do it to me. That's the thing that I still feel like. I can't. You know what? This is funny. (laughs) Now that I expose some of my deep rooted irrational fears. (laughs) Now you know Um, how to torture me, Laura. Just pull out the Ubaluba soundtrack. Listen, I dressed up as an Oompa one Halloween. <laughs> I can't. Yes. <laughs> With a friend of mine, listen, we colored I'm our sure hair green adorable. and everything. Like, it was like, yeah. It was like super cool. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> and also kind of in the vein of watching movies that kind of like passed me by the first time. I think one of these movies actually I was too young to watch, which is... A movie called Airheads. It's young Brendan Fraser, young uh-huh. Adam Sandler, and uh-huh. young Steve Buscemi. Um, Steve Buscemi with long hair and facial hair, like a like a metal band guy. Picture that in your brain. Put that in your brain, and that's the movie. The whole premise of this movie is they're in a band. The three of them are in this metal band, and they want to like break out. So. Uh, they decide to go and bring their tape to a radio station to see if they can get like this local metal DJ to play them on the radio. And they like break into the radio station and then turns into this whole hostage situation. And that's probably the first like 15 minutes of the movie. So I did not even spoil the movie for you because (laughs) things just like escalate from there. So you Um, watched this movie this weekend? Yeah, it actually, I mean, it's, was made in the 90s so it's not it's not like completely up to all of our cultural standards that we would think of now but ultimately i think the movie aged okay there's a lot of other movies that i watched from that time period or later where i went oh i forgot that that was in there and i forgot like how poorly (laughs) that joke aged which was very but I didn't really have that moment of like really cringy. They do use the R slur a little bit. So like warning for that. But again, in the 90s, we weren't as um, we weren't having a conversation about how hurtful that was. I will say not that we didn't know better or it wasn't as bad then. It was equally as bad then. Um, but otherwise, like there was actually a few moments of kind of uh, commentary about race that I think were still timely to today. Uh-huh. Um, so it was a fun movie. And if uh, if you're looking for something made in the 90s that, yeah, that didn't age too, too badly. And if you want to see uh, young Brendan Fraser and young Steve Buscemi look like metalheads, mm. well, that's where to go. <laughs> similarly, this weekend, for the first time, I watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, 
which is honestly a pretty similar movie. (laughs) (laughs) See, I haven't seen that either, but it's one of those, like you said, kind of like in the canon. I feel like I should watch it because it's kind of part of our cultural zeitgeist. I hadn't seen it, but now having watched it, I can I saw so much of Wayne's World in it and I saw mm-hmm. so much of Dude Where's My Car in it to the point where like <laughs> Dude Where's My Car is just like a kind of a ripoff of Bill and Ted. But without time travel. No, yeah. there are aliens though. <laughs> Wait, there are aliens in Dude Where's My Car? I don't know. Oh, yeah. That's one that I've only seen parts of. Oh, sure. So yeah. maybe I didn't see the alien part. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. reading but miss chatting with people about what you've read? Why not join our book group? There are a variety of meetings happening every month including the graphic novel book group, cookbook club, the nonfiction book group, hidden in the stacks, YA for adults, and reading in the hall book group. For more information and to register visit cranstonlibrary.org book groups or contact the central library reference desk at central at cranstonlibrary.org. If you're participating in the 2023 Adult Summer Reading Beanstack Challenge, the secret code for listening to the podcast is subscribe. Again, the secret code is subscribe. Learn more and join the fun at cranstonlibrary.beanstack.com. And remember to drink your Ovaltine. Well, I want us to have enough time to talk about E for All, so... Let's start out with what is E for All? That's an excellent question. Um, so the E, the E stands for Entrepreneurship for All. And who we are is a nonprofit that partners with communities nationwide to help underrepresented individuals successfully start and grow a business. Now, we do this through intensive business training um, that includes mentorship and an extended professional support network. Rhode Island is the last... Uh, program to have launched. We are primarily in Massachusetts, but also in upstate New York and Colorado, Northwest Arkansas, and we are getting ready to launch in Maine as well. To date, e alumni have launched over 1,400 businesses. And in 2022 alone, this business has provided over 2,100 local jobs and generated over $66 million in revenue, which is fantastic. Um, we're also extremely proud to say that um, 70% of the businesses that have gone through our programs in the last about uh, 11 years that eFall has been around continue to be active after three years. And this is about eight basis points higher than the national average. So in, in, in true, what it says is that our program does work. I should say, and Julia, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of like um, who we look for and whatnot, but our program is 100% free. And, and, and that's the beauty of it. And the way that we approach mentorship is very unique as we pair each entrepreneur or business, right? It, it could be a partnership, obviously, uh, with a, a group of mentors. Uh, and that's really what sets us apart from other organizations. So throughout our one-year accelerator, the first three months is the intensive piece of it. And we... The entrepreneurs have to commit to five hours of classes a week, 
and weekly meeting with our mentor group of 90 minutes. Um, after that time frame, after the three months, then we can sort of like graduate them. We meet with them every quarter and as they keep on working in their business and certainly the, the goals that they have set, um, they meet with their mentor groups once a month for those remainder nine months. And there is also the opportunity to earn seed money. So it's it's really a, a great program. Julia is going to talk a little bit more about sort of like how we spread our, our program so that um, people who may be interested know the volunteers that we look for. And definitely uh, we'll talk a little bit about our entrepreneurs that have gone through our program in the one year that we have. Yeah. So I would love to talk a little bit about sort of how we run our program and, and really connect with our community. Everything that E4ALL does is community-based and community-led. And that's super important to our mission and just kind of how we deliver our programming. Aside from Laura and myself, we have a Spanish program manager because we have our programming in both English and Spanish. Um, we also uh, have a program coordinator. So we're just a team of four here in Rhode Island, but everything we do has community input. So when somebody wants to join our cohort, we run our cohorts in the summer and the winter. So we are launching our summer cohort literally this week. Um, so if anybody is interested, the next availability will be in the winter and we can talk about that later. But they apply through our platform and we have volunteers from the community read and score their applications and we provide them with that feedback. So regardless of whether they end up getting accepted for this round, they receive that feedback and hopefully that will help them in whatever the next steps are with their idea. From there, um, whoever gets selected to move forward comes to an interview with us and that also includes community input. So we have people from our community, be it mentors or alumni, come in and help us interview um, and from there, our local advisory board who are also uh, volunteers, ultimately they choose who gets into the cohort. And from there, the volunteerism doesn't start or doesn't stop. Um, one, once they're in the program, we have this incredible curriculum, which I can break down, but as Laura said, uh, they commit to three months of classes twice a week. So in that time, as we're going through um, this curriculum, we invite specialists from the community to impart the classes. I'm always there in class, so I'm kind of the consistent touch point um, for both the specialists and the, the entrepreneurs. But so when we talk about accounting, we have an accountant from Rhode Island come and talk to them. When we talk about, you know, how how to sell your product or branding, we have marketing experts and sales experts from our local area come and teach. And what's really great about that is part a big part of doing a program like E4ALL is the extended professional network, both in the case of the alumni, but also in the case of the specialists, because, you know, now they know somebody that they can go ask a question and our specialists are incredible. They often will offer, you know, to have like a quick follow-up phone call or, you know, they'll offer an hour of their time pro bono or something like that. And it's just, it kind of helps entrepreneurship is a pretty lonely journey and it helps them really feel like they're part of a community. So 
The curriculum itself is really cool. It's it's kind of your business 101 and we take you through everything from A to Z. So the idea is that once you've left this program, you can identify as an entrepreneur, whether you continue with the idea you started with or whether you decided to pivot. And pivoting is very normal, very natural. Most entrepreneurs do. So we start off the first like third of the program, more or less, is uh, where we uh, we identify who your customer is. We identify your value proposition. You start to uh, verbalize some of your assumptions about your industry. And then we have you go and test out those assumptions. It's almost a little bit like the scientific method. So you may think like, I've got the best idea. This is how I think it should it should go. Let me go talk to my ideal client and see how they feel about that. And they realize, oh, actually, they don't want to receive the service this way. It actually should be delivered in a different way. Or maybe your assumptions are totally correct. Um, and then that will help you kind of continue down the road you're on. The middle section of the curriculum is kind of your nuts and bolts. And so that's where we do financial projections, accounting. We talk about some of the legal aspects of business, um, insurance, that kind of thing. And then the last section, which is everybody's favorite, is how to get out there and sell it. And so that's when we talk about branding, marketing, websites, social media. Um, a lot of people... Like from day one, they're like, when are we going to talk about websites? When are we going to talk about social media? I really want to get online. <laughs> and we always tell them you really need to trust the process and you have to walk before you can run. Because if you don't even know who your customer is, putting up a website is going to be a wasted effort. You really need to have some of those basics down first. And then when it comes time to launch your website, you're going to be off and running. So that's that's how the curriculum works from and how it develops. Like Laura said, during that time, they're also meeting with their mentor group once a week. So what's great about that as well, being that we accept all industries, we are not focused on one industry. Um, and our, our curriculum can apply to pretty much anybody who's in that early phase. Um, when they go meet with their mentor group, they can really dive deeply into where they are at in their particular industry. As I mentioned, this is a, this is a free program, um, which we're really proud to be able to provide in the state of Rhode Island um, in both English and Spanish. Um, but what that means too is that as Julia was talking about, we look for a lot of volunteers a year to help us obviously deliver this amazing program. So from readers to interviewers to specialists to judges to mentors, right, um, that can help throughout that journey. Now, it is a one-year program. Obviously, we do it twice a year because that accelerator part is the first 12 weeks. Um, so it does allow us to obviously have that. And as Julia did say, we are on a summer-winter schedule. Now, there's obviously spring and fall. So what are we doing this spring and fall? Uh, so we actually have pitch contests. And a pitch contest is sort of like Shark Tank, but without the teeth. We're super friendly at EFO. <laughs> uh, we really are. It's actually... Um, one of the favorite activities, we don't do a lot of activities in person. The program is actually a virtual program. Um, the majority of it, aside from our graduation, I think that we all went to a Zoom graduation or birthday, and those certainly did not translate the same way. Uh, <laughs> so those are way better in person. So uh, we did those in person as well as our pitch contest. Um, she's great because they're public events that we want people to come and show their support for a brave soul that was going to put their self out there for 
what, three minutes, Julia? And, uh, and really just, literally, we time them. So we have a bell and everything. Um, but, it is, uh, but it's super fun. It's a great um, way to get feedback and obviously um, earn some money too. So Julia's going to talk a little bit about that, um, especially because that will be our next event coming up. Yeah, yeah. So pitch contests are super fun. They're a great way for us to get out and represent E4All in the community. Um, our classes, for the most part, are virtual, like Laura said, um, which is super convenient. So people uh, don't have to drive to one place or the other, which in Rhode Island can take longer than you would expect, right? Like if you live <laughs> in Wakefield and you had to come to class in Providence, that would be difficult. But so it's really nice when we get to do these events in person. And unlike the very kind of larger time commitment, a pitch contest is you fill out the application, you either get accepted or not. Um, the, the event itself is really fun. We invite you to come have a, a table so you can kind of talk to the public about what you're doing, what your business idea is. Um, definitely the pitch contest is, is for very early stage business owners. So you, if you're you know super established, it might not be the right you know environment. We invite the public to come and actually they get to have a say in who gets to win some of the prize money. So we do like a fan favorite where people get to vote for, for who should win a little bit of prize money. Yeah, and then we ask them to prepare a two and a half minute pitch. We have judges um, who ask them questions and the judges decide who wins. Yeah, it's it's a pretty quick uh, kind of fast paced event, but it's, we get food. It's, it's just meant to be kind of fun, a little bit celebratory, get, you know, get everybody excited about entrepreneurship and hopefully get some people excited to do an accelerator. Um, one is not contingent upon the other. They are completely separate. Um, so if you're in an accelerator, you actually can't do the, (laughs) the, uh, the pitch contest. But if you do a pitch contest and you had a great time and you loved what you for all stood for, you can then go and apply to the next accelerator. And yeah. you come out with big checks. It's super fun. <laughs> Everyone loves the big checks. So. so you mentioned about seed money earlier. So this yeah. that this is the program. The pitch contest is the program in which you guys how you no. decide and distribute the seed money. No, so there's oh, okay. uh, so so there's sort of like two separate programs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, not sort of. They are two separate programs. Mm-hmm. And um, Pitch Contest has its own funding, right? So you get first, second, third place. And then there's a fan favorite, um, which is pretty cool. It's what Joliet was talking about, where while the judges are deliberating, the audience is deciding who their favorite is. And it could be one of the people that the judges selected, as they don't know, right, What which each one is selecting. Um but throughout the accelerator itself in the one-year program, there is opportunity to receive seed money as well. Oh. Um, so truthfully, the seed money is important too. But we don't meet with that because if someone is participating in our program because of the money that we may be able to provide to them, this is not the right fit. Really, it's, it's really more about the education, especially because there is no guarantee that every single person um, that participates in the accelerator may receive funding, um, you know, and there's a, sort of like a little bit of a formula attached to it, um, depending on how many people actually participate. Um, you know, we don't give out hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is not uh, who we are. But the money that we do give out, um, you know, can totally make a difference too. One of the things that we ask the 
cohort as they get ready for their final presentations is, you know, during their final presentations, they have to talk about everything they've learned, sort of like put together a business plan, right? And, And what their goals are. And they have to have then an ask. So they learn, they hear about money again, like right as they're getting ready to put on their final presentations. And at that time, we'll let them know how much the pool of money is, of which half was given um, at that during our graduation. And we tell them, number one, because we want for them to be realistic, but also we want to be as specific as possible, right? What will, if you were to receive funding today, what will it do for you? Will it make a difference in your business, right? So we've had um, someone from our um, previous cohort that asked for funding to finalize the licenses that she would need um, to open her, um, you know, her business as a cosmetology. Uh, and, you know, you, you may think, oh, my God, that obviously is going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference of whether she can actually operate or not, right, versus Someone, this does not happen in Rhode Island, but it has happened. Um, someone that asked uh, for a million dollars in funding for a building. Um, so they wanted to, you know, open uh, a community pool. That's what they wanted to do. That, that was the, the purpose of their um, venture. So first of all, we're, we don't have a million dollars to give out. That, that's, that's the most important piece of it, right? But the second thing is that even if we did, even if that ask was realistic, it's actually not going to make a difference today on that particular business versus helping this person obviously obtain the rest of the licenses needed will make a true impact on that particular business. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like uh, where it goes. But it was a long way of telling you that now they each have funding. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And is it just you were saying about a community pool? So do people who come through your co- cohort go through it to open nonprofits as well as for-profit businesses? That's right. So we they have for our nonprofit. I, uh, oh, right. It could be from an idea or early stages. If you are more advanced in your journey, then we probably are not the program for you. As Julia mentioned, we like to consider this sort of like as business one-on-one. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about, um, you know, being here now for a year um, in this particular venture is that we've created a lot of great relationships with other nonprofits that offer very similar work in what we do that, um, you know, we refer to, right? So there are other programs um, such as, you know, maybe 10,000 small businesses that is, you know, for folks that are more advanced, right, than we are, or there are other programs such as ideator programs that can help you really work in solidify the idea that you have, um, you know, maybe, you know, folks from Innovation Studios may be better suited at that particular point in time. Um, and vice versa, they refer to us as well as, you know, of where they may be in that particular journey. Um, but yeah, we had actually uh, one nonprofit that she's doing very well. Uh, so I'm really proud of, of her uh, that went through our first accelerator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Taina from Kids Community Rhode Island is she's doing great. She started a nonprofit in the public school system uh, to provide basic necessities to, to kids. And so things like toiletries, laundry cards, food. And she came mm-hmm. up with this really uh, ingenious way to do it discreetly um, mm-hmm. so that, you know, kids can can come get stuff without feeling like everybody knows that that they need this help um so she's doing she's in 
she piloted in one school and I, I know she's going to be expanding into more mm-hmm. schools. Very proud of her. Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so as we kind of come to the end of our conversation here, um, who is kind of the ideal candidate to join one of your cohorts? Like who's eligible to apply and how can they apply for your next session in the winter or for the pitch contest? So the ideal person is somebody who is very kind of deep in their idea phase or maybe just launched a small business. Um, So if you woke up last week and you said, I kind of like making soap. Maybe maybe I'll start a soap business. We might not quite be the right program for you. But if you have been making the world's best empanadas and you sell them to family and friends and you know you've got something great and you just don't know where to start, this is a great program for you. If you just got your license as a cosmetologist or something similar and you want to go into business by yourself, you have the skills, we're a great program for you. Um they they can go to our website, which is eforall.org forward slash Rhode Island. And on the Rhode Island homepage, you will see an apply button for both the accelerator, um, which will be it for the winter. So it's a little bit of a ways away, as well as the pitch contest. The pitch contest is similar. It's for people who are in the earlier stages. Maybe they've got you know, a product, they, they make their own makeup or they uh, want to start literally anything. But they definitely. have a hobby that they want to take to the yeah. next step. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they they can apply. <laughs> if you've been in business for like three or four years and you've got a space and you're um, already bringing in pretty consistent income, again, maybe, maybe not quite the right program for you. <laughs> but... Um, what else? So they can they can go to our website. I said that already. Um, for the accelerator, um, the applications will be open, I believe, through the end of October. I don't have the exact day off the top of my head, Laura. But so if you think you want to join the winter session, you have till the end of October. Um, we'll, we'll get that exact date for you. It's October um, 26th at 5 p.m. Thursday, October 26th. So plenty of time to think about it and get online and fill out the application. The pitch contest uh, would be several weeks before that. So the pitch contest application, I think, is open until the middle or end of September. Yeah. So I I know that we're here, uh, obviously, uh, Julia is our program manager for our English program, but now that because we offer the uh, program in Spanish as well. Applications for the Spanish um, accelerators are also due the same day, so they run concurrently. Um, the main difference between one and the other is the days of the week that the classes are imparted. Uh, that's truly really what it is. Um, but we are getting ready uh, to obviously do our next true event will be our pitch contest, and then we'll close our accelerator applications and kick it all over again. Um, And I know that Julia obviously talked about our website, but if anyone is interested in learning more about E4All or our amazing volunteer opportunities, they can also reach out to our website. Again, that's e4all.org forward slash Rhode Island. Um, And you can learn more and know that both Julia and myself and Eli, who is our English program, uh, our Spanish program manager, sorry, 
uh, is available um, to answer any questions that anyone may have. We're always only a phone call away. And we, we keep our social media up to date. So if you take anything from this, just head over to Instagram and follow us at eforall underscore Rhode Island. And we'll always be posting there when we have upcoming events, deadlines, um, and things of that nature when you can come meet us out in the community. All right. Fantastic. And we will include... Uh information to your website and your socials in the show notes as well so if you miss that in the podcast just go and check out the show notes um so we like to wrap up the show with a segment i call the last chapter where we talk about our library or bookish related question um so i thought i would ask you both what is one book that you always recommend to or resource if it's not exactly a book that you always recommend to people at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey a source, a, a resource, right? That mm-hmm. I think that we like to refer our entrepreneurs to is Rhode Island Commerce. I think that they're great and have a lot of information more than what we can even probably realize that they have. And I think that a great book for any entrepreneur is The Entrepreneur Mind. I think mm-hmm. that it's, um, and it's by Kevin D. Johnson, and I've read it twice. Um, It's a great way for folks to truly understand that entrepreneurial roads are extremely lonely. And if you think about it, most of the people that come through our programs um, have a day job and families and all these other things, right, that they have to take care of. Um, But something to keep them afloat and to know that number one, they are not alone. This is this is very important. And you know, all of the right things that happen in life start with an idea. So it just takes that perseverance. And that's uh well, what the book is kind of like about. It's just about keeping at it and persevering. So I don't necessarily have like a bevy of of books and podcasts about <laughs> getting started with your entrepreneurial journey up my sleeve. So here's what I'll say in terms of resources. As a program manager, the most important thing to me is that people find the program that is best for where they are now. Maybe that's us and maybe it isn't. What's most important to me is that you find what you need. And so I'm, I've become very well versed in all of the different programs and resources that the state has to offer. And... I kind of make it a point whenever I speak to someone who's interested in our program to really get to where they are and where what they really are looking for. And if it's not E for all, we'll send them to wherever they need to go. And my hope, aside from just developing a really healthy ecosystem, is that I, I that's how I want E for all to be. That's how I want to be in the, in the community. I want to be a resource. And so I'm always happy to be a thought partner for somebody, even if they're not sure if E for all is right, but they, they know they've got something good and they just need a little bit of feedback and they're wondering where they should start. I say, you know, reach out, DM us on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. you know, reach out through, through email. Um, you can, you know, easily connect with us through our website and we'll get you where you need to go. Right, fantastic. And I I wish the best of luck to your summer cohort in their business endeavors. And um, 
thank you both for chatting with me today. And thank you everyone for listening. If you would like to respond to our last chapter question or just reach out to the show, you can do that by emailing us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. You can also reach out to us via social media with the hashtag downtimecpl. If you're feeling generous, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts because it helps people find the show. Thank you again for listening. And this has been another episode of Downtime. Downtime is a project of the Cranston Public Library and is produced by Elena Rios, Nomi Haig, Robin Nizio, and me, Taylor Cardillo. Audio engineering by Dave Bartos. Our theme music is Day Trips by Ketza. And our ad music is Happy Ukulele by Scott Holmes. Links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes. Remember to rate and review Downtime on Apple Podcasts. Connect with the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the hashtag DowntimeCPL. And if there's something you'd like to hear on the show, send an email to downtime at cranstonlibrary.org. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and do not represent those of the Cranston Public Library. The material and information presented here is for general information purposes only. The Cranston Public Library name, in all forms and abbreviation, are the property of its owners and its use does not imply endorsement or opposition to any specific organization, product, or service. The content of this episode is the property of the Cranston Public Library and may not be reproduced without express written permission. Join us next week for more Downtime. I didn't expect for the conversation to take this turn, I suppose. Everyone has their thing, though, right? Yeah, you know? no. Listen, no, we all do. We all do. <laughs> <laughs>